back. And uh, again, this is uh, Life from the Loft. This is my fifth episode on Anchor app and uh, 38th episode on YouTube TV. So um, let's get into this word because this is a good one. Very exciting, especially considering we're already almost one month into the new year. And part of this message uh, is about outlasting our old self, right? That old nature, because one thing we know as Christians, um, that the Bible talks about us getting a new nature in Christ, right? And sometimes we can't enjoy newness because we struggle to outlast the oldness, right? We struggle um, maintaining that newness, right? Like, it's interesting. We put alarms on our cars we put locks on our doors sometimes you have the knob lock and the deadbolt lock and we lock the windows and you know we do all of this to secure the things that are on earth right we put uh fraud protection on our credit cards and bank accounts uh we invest in being able to check our credit scores regularly i mean um we, we do uh vpns right on our internet service right we do passcodes and everything else i mean think about it we don't just send out our social security number to random people with our full name and our birth date. We don't give out, uh, we don't have unprotected accounts online for things that are really important. In fact, we put protection on our emails, right? Like junk emails, we put uh, protection on. Uh, and we, a lot of times, don't put that same protection or same sense of urgency in maintaining the newness, right? Maintaining joy, maintaining happiness. A lot of us are just miserable uh, on a day-to-day basis because we won't protect our joy. We're never going to walk through this life void of stress or void of hard times or void of people uh, irritating us or, or angry in us, right? It's going to happen. And those people could be people in our social circles, people in our jobs, people in our home, right? It could be voices in our own head, that uh, negative self-talk, right? That we have to rebuke on a day-to-day that says you're not good enough or you're not worthy or you're not smart enough or you're not, you know, thin enough or tall enough or whatever it is, right? Um, Those feelings of insecurity, uh, of doubt, of unbelief, right? So that a lot of that can be rooted inside of us. And this is why I find that the word of God is so important when we're having these moments and when we're going through these things that we can truly, truly trust God um, and that we can rest in that newness, right? And we don't have to be a slave to those negative thoughts and feelings. We don't have to be a slave to miserableness. Yeah. Is our body going to hurt sometimes? Absolutely. Are we going to be sick sometimes? Absolutely. Are we going to have, you know, financial instability sometimes? Absolutely. We're going to go through, we're going to have arguments, we're going to have disagreements, we're, you know, going to feel unheard, or we're going to feel unloved, or we're going to feel, um, you know, a multitude of, of negative, tough emotions and feelings at times. And it's what we do in those times that allows us to continue to enjoy the peace and the strength and the rejuvenation that the word of God and the power of God brings, right? And it's not that any of us are going to be perfect at this. This is going to take time and this is going to take trial and this is going to take test and this is going to take time and it's going to take trial. It's going to take tests and we're going to have to move from one level to the next, to the next, to the next and continue this process until the day we're no longer on this earth. And I feel that personally speaking, this process is a lot better 
than just living in a constant state of misery and, and rejection and dejection and fatigue and everything else, right? So, uh, yeah, it's, oh, mm, I'm very excited about this word. And Father God, you know, let's not uh, forget to just open up uh, with a word of prayer, thanking you for your word, for your strength, for your mercy, your grace, and leading us through this study uh, of your word. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen, amen, and amen. So uh, we're going to look at two different chapter and verses here. If we're going to first start off in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, And the word of God says, and this is from the King James Version of the Bible. So the word of God says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. So again, it says this is for anybody, man or woman, right? Any person um, be in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, right? So are become new, have become new, you know, are new in those who have given themselves to Christ. And that old nature, that old creature, that's what and who we as Christians were before we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Um, sometimes we think about this in, in such like a, a mystical type of way, and it's, it's, it's not... It's not mystical. It is divine in nature because it comes from God. And there are there are actual physical applications to this word that we need to apply in our every single day life. Right. Outlasting that old nature, letting this new nature not just settle in, root in and be the present nature, not just some un unattainable new nature, but the present state in which we live every single day of our lives. And a great example of this is when we look at Jacob. So Jacob, uh, whose name means heel catcher, right? So Jacob's name literally means one who pulls at the heel or, or wrestles um, with the Lord, right? So as we look at Jacob's life and we see the struggle and the fight that his life has been uh, since being born after his brother Esau, what we see is a child and then a young man um, or teenager and then young man who lives a life that's full of a lot of deceit and a lot of him trying to um, get his own way because he just doesn't have that relationship with God yet. He refers to um, his father uh, he refers to God as his father's God, right? The God my father serves, right? J uh, Jacob doesn't come to know God until later in his life, right? Later in his adult life, not, you know, when in his 50s or anything, but probably, I would say probably in his late 20s, maybe early 30s, 40s or so, um, somewhere in that range. I know I just gave you a monster range, but somewhere in that range, um, we start to see that Jacob really comes to have that personal relationship. He's not some foreign, a million miles away God. He becomes his God. And one of the areas where we see this is in Jacob's attitude and change to uh, struggle, right? To adversity. Because if we look in Genesis and we're in Genesis 30 and we take a good look at Genesis 30, 29, uh, verse 29 says, it is, this is so what has happened here? Let me give you a little background really quick because I did not go through the whole. Uh, actually, I would have probably had to go through Genesis 28 all the way up to 31 because we're actually in. Let me move my highlighter there. We're in Genesis 31, not 30. Sorry. So Genesis 31. What we're seeing here is Jacob essentially just got up um, 
and he grabbed his whole household, uh, Rachel, Leah, his kids, servants, everyone, and put everybody on camels and started marching, right? He's like, well, you know what? Laban, uh, Leah, and Rachel's father has deceived me multiple times. He's lied to me. He hasn't been honest with me. And you know what? We're just out of here. You know, God has opened the door for us to do something, and we're going to be on the move. Now, this is a prime example of how God can open doors and windows for us and opportunities for us, and we still not handle the opportunity right. Um, we have to make sure that in even once God has opened a door and an opportunity for us, to move forward in something that we do it, as the word says, good and in decent order. And this wasn't good and in decent order because in a way, uh, Jacob and Laban will tell him, hey, man, like you robbed me of the ability to kiss my daughters goodbye and kiss my grandkids goodbye and, and, and send you off um, in a joyous thing. Because Laban, once he found this out three days later, he was on hot pursuit of Jacob and his family and, and all, all that he had. Um, to track them down, to stop them. So we, in Genesis 31, uh, verse 29, we're, we're kind of in the midst of this, right? It says, and Laban says, uh, it is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spoke unto me yes, yesternight. So that's like last night. This is, in, again, the New King James. Uh, I'm sorry, this is in the King James, not the New King James. So uh, you have to either... I would suggest have a copy of the New King James if you're reading the King James, because some of the words, if you're not too versed in it, can uh, be dated for the time that it was written. So, um, again, uh, Laban says, it is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the good of your father spoke unto me yesternight, saying, take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad, right? So God is essentially telling Laban, you need to take a measured approach here. You need to be measured. You need to say what you're thinking and feeling and be measured in your approach, right? And the interesting thing is God, he not only works on us directly and in our situation, as he works on that situation, he works on all the people that are in that situation. That's the beauty of divine favor that we see here. So, we go down, we skip a verse, we go down to 31, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said pre-adventure, so that means before we even set out, that thou wouldest, that you, Laban, would take by force thy daughters, which are Jacob's wives, um, from me. So Jacob was honest. Jacob did not have a history of being honest, as the Bible records, right? Um and especially in times of struggle and conflict. And now, so Jacob is now in that new nature, right? He's being directly challenged. He fears for his wives and his kids. He fears uh, for his household right now. And in all of that, he reaches uh, to, as the word of God tells us, to press to the mark of the high calling Christ Jesus through the adversity, through the fear, through the struggle, through the doubt. Jacob does not give in to sin. He doesn't, he doesn't just fall on his face and start crying and weeping and woe is me. He doesn't give in to self-pity and self-doubt. He doesn't try to stand up in pride and thump his chest and be like, well, you wrong me. No. What does he do? He humbles himself. He knows that Laban is, according to the culture that they live in, Laban is in his rights to do him harm or to whatever. And Laban is saying, hey, you know what? You're God. Not my God, but you're God of your father is telling me to um, do 
speak unto you good, good nor bad, right? To take a measured approach. And Jacob is like, okay, in this moment, he, I can imagine there's that pull, right? There's that fight that's inside a lot of us to either succumb, because it's so easy, right? It's so easy to succumb to those overreactive um, emotions, the emotions that lead us to be the victim in a, in, in a lot of situations when, when there are no victims, right? When there's just people just making uh, bad decisions or miscommunications or um, not seeing eye to eye, right? And so Jacob, instead of falling into that, Jacob says, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to rely on the word because greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. So Jacob's like, look, dude, I was afraid. Like, bro, you have all this power. You have all this ability. And I know you could take and do whatever you want because you've done it before. So I was afraid. I feel that honesty and truth, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much someone might not want to hear it, no matter what their reaction to it might be, there's no better way to go about it than just to be honest with people, just to be truthful. No, if you messed up, just say I messed up. You know, oh, my bad. I'll get it right. Like once we alleviate ourselves of the guilt and the pain and the shame, uh, life is a lot better and a lot easier to live. Instead of living under this false expectation of everything you're going to do is going to be perfect and going to be right, and uh, or living under the idea that you're not worth, you're worthless, and you have no value, and you you know the list of these complaints can go on and on and on and on and on. Instead of drawing things out to be completely miserable like that on a day to day basis, we can choose to just be honest, honest with ourselves, honest with our spouses, honest with our kids, honest with our parents, honest with our coworkers, honest, period. If there's something that you have not done yet and you have not attained, I, I mean, again, we can go through the litany of things that people look to attain in life, whatever it is. If you have not done it or, had, or do not have it at this point, be honest with yourself. Is this really something that you're willing to sacrifice for? Is this something that you're really willing to fight for? Or are you just content sitting in a group and talking about these things and saying, you know how we talk. Yo, bro. Yeah. I, I, you know, man, I would have had uh, that job if or, um, hey, girl, you know, man, I would have dropped that baby weight. But, you know, um, you know, I mean, we can just keep going and going and going with the scenarios and the things that people talk about. Um, and the deal is just like Jacob, this is the practical application of this word. We have to know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we have to sustain that and sustain it. Day after day, night after night, we have to keep pushing. We stop pushing and wonder why we don't have anything. Um, so Jacob, again, being very honest in this moment. And it's interesting because as you read the rest of this chapter, you'll see that Jacob is honest. Leah is being honest. Rachel is not being honest. Rachel stole some uh, engraving images from her father, right? Which he's pretty heated about because he's like, I know someone in this camp has it. And Jacob's like, well, he'll search everybody. So by the time he gets to, to Rachel's tent, he hasn't found anything. Rachel's like, mm, let me let me throw up a lie here. And Rachel claims to be on her menstrual cycle. And in that um, culture, no one was going into her tent because she was seen as unclean at that time. And if you went in, you'd be unclean. So Laban was like, okay, you, 
you're good. I'm not going in there. Now, this is why we can't lie as leaders. As leaders of households, this is why we can't shove our emotions down, shove our feelings down, say I'm okay when you're not, um, lie about whether you have and you don't. This is why we have to be honest. If you're sick, say you're sick. If you're hungry, say you're hungry. If you're tired, say you're tired. If you're frustrated, say you're frustrated. Be honest. Not, um, not let me project all my anger and burdens on you. That's not honesty. That's projection. And projection gets you nowhere. All it does is spread that misery. I'm talking about honesty, you know? So, unfortunately, she was not. And again, her husband, who is the leader of their household, had a history of not being honest. So, we pass these traits that we don't like in ourselves to our kids and to our spouses and to the people around us as we demonstrate different behaviors and activities. So sometimes when we look at other people and we get so frustrated at what they're doing, we need to look at ourselves because what one thing, uh, one of the theories that we go over in the world of mental health a lot of time as counselors is when you have um, harsh feelings towards a client, we we call that countertransference, right? What about that person uh, reminds you of something that you don't like in yourself or someone close to you? And a lot of times we're not recognizing that uh, in ourselves. We're just seeing it in other people and wondering why that person just continues to frustrate us. So again, um, I, 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 man, I could go on and on about this. I do have to get to breakfast. It's 9.49 and we have church at 11.30, right? So we're going to leave here at 11. Um, for all those mathematicians, like an hour and 10 minutes to do the breakfast thing, get the kids up, get myself ready and, and rock and roll. So I'm going to close this out. Uh, just by simply saying at the end of this, these two men were able to work all of this out. And it says that verse 54, then Jacob offered sacrifices upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread. And they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount, right? This was like Jacob leaving. This was everybody, right? Chilling, eating, having a good time together, being family. And early in the morning, Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them and Laban departed and returned unto his place amen so i pray that each and every person that heard this word that you would take something out of it that it would add a blessing to your life as is that as as it has added to mine and let's just close out in prayer father god we just thank you for your word we thank you for the strength and power in it we pray that it would root in our lives that it would produce a holy harvest lord in in our decision making and our actions and what we do and what we say and how we feel about ourselves father god that in the name of jesus that we truly truly uh grab a hold of honesty like never before and, and be open and and, and and like a book father god and Lord, that we would foster this within our homes, our families, and our communities. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We praise you, we pray, and ask it all. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, have a blessed day. Love yourself, love someone else, um, and, and, and enjoy your week. Take care. God bless. See you back here next time for the next episode of Life, of the, Life from the Loft. All right.